This is Improvised Radio Theatre with Dice, with me, Michael Kuehl. And me, Roger Bell West. And the summer is starting to fade here. In the I wish. Well, there hasn't been a, a much actual rain. Um, I'm told that there were torrents downpouring on London a, a, earlier in the week. But uh, here, hereabouts, all the... Uh, all the thunderstorms and what have you uh, that we keep getting promised by the Met Office fade like uh, mirages into the distance. I assume they're being run by the same people who are running the trains. Are people running the trains at the moment? In theory. Uh, let's stick up, stay off politics. Um, and this time, it being August when we rec- record this, we are going to do our traditional August thing of uh, answering all the questions in RPG a day, a, a thing we will put a reference to in the notes so you can follow along. Uh, but we have multiple things before that, um, one of which is uh, thank you to people who put some money in our tip jar. Uh, Robert Wolf, Brian Parker. Uh, it, this really encourages us to uh, keep doing this. We, we are hearts bound that we know there are people actually out there who are enjoying it, so thank you. And if, if you would like to do this, uh, paypal.me slash rogerbw will reach me. We are honoured by uh, the patronage, to a small extent, of the Bundle of Holding who let us have access to their new releases uh, in return for us mentioning when we found something interesting. And Roger has something he's taken an interest in. Yeah, so this is the... Uh, not not the first by any means. It's an indie bundle of holding uh, ten separate indie games. Not that, mm. that has any specific meaning these days, but they're, they're all fairly small and lightweight and might, might be worth a look. So... What's there is okay. Girl on the ground, which is Alice in Wonderland, Wizard of Oz, Labyrinth, mm. that kind of thing. A, a girl's journey of self-discovery through through a fantasy land, and the friends she meets on the way. Uh, this is a powered by the apocalypse game, which I don't feel as negative about as I used to, but I'm still dubious. Um, <laughs> In in a kind of Oz Magica trip play style, uh, all the players take turns portraying the girl, and when they're not portraying the girl, they get one of the playbooks for her companions, like you know the talking animal, um, the half human, half magical being, mm. etc. How do you think it would play for one-off games? Um, just just one session. Um. I've had a quick skim of it, and I don't see why it wouldn't work. I mean, there is stuff that, uh, as with all the Powered by the Apocalypse things, uh, you, you gain experience when you fail a roll. Yeah. And that that is tuned to a particular length of game. So you, you might want to enhance that a bit. But you know, yeah. if, if you don't need your character to be getting... But I think it's meant to be the compensation for, you know, you, you didn't get what you wanted, but you get more powerful. And okay. if you're not going to be getting more powerful in... In the uh, space of a, a single session, yeah, maybe not so yeah. much, but you know, tweak that a bit shouldn't be too hard. What else we got? So we got Hunt the Wicked. Uh, you're a space bounty hunter. Yeah, all right. Yeah, being 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 shot at and the risk of being exposed to vacuum. 
so my stand yeah I'm not the indie game audience long term listeners no. may now pretend to be surprised so when I see a thing like this I think yeah okay nice setting I'll run it in GURPS or Genesis or you know there are a whole bunch of other systems that can that can do a, a cinematic space game mm-hmm. if you want a very lightweight system that can do a cinematic space game well yeah that, that is this the the background is not so terribly inspiring that I especially want to rip it out and plug it into something else. Now carry Look. on with, with Mage to Order. Um, and th- this is, I think, my, my favourite of these. It's uh, basically you know, Gilded Age, early 20th century, plus magic. Yeah. And you are the heroic maintenance workers... Who, who get to fix all the things that go wrong so that, so that the uh, Eloi can carry on ignoring you. Underpaid, underappreciated. Absolutely vital. Yeah. Uh, the system is, yeah, it's not terribly exciting. Uh, you, you have an ennui track, which, you know, how can you resist? <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, dear. Role-playing games which keep track of how bored you are. Dear me. We oh, could go it, back it, to it also helps helps boost your magic. Okay, the more bored you are, the more you feel like lashing out with magic. Or the more effective you are when you do. Anyway, th- this is the one that I'm most likely to come back and play with. Okay. Uh, even, even though it's only you know, 38 pages. Alright, Save the Universe. Uh, science fiction RPG. Uh, you are the brave resistance against the enemy. Uh, yeah, it's not Star Wars Honest. Ah, oh, don't I seem to I seem to recall something like this in um, what was it called Fellowship, in which the GM was playing. Oh, was playing the uh, the Sauron figure, and the the players were all the the ragtag uh, collection of. Um, of 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 lesser individuals who save the world. Well, yeah, yeah I mean, we we are role players old in wickedness, as we will come back to in, yeah. in the main body of the episode. So, for us, all you need to say is here is this basic concept and plug it into a system you like. Yeah, the target audience of this game would would like to be given this basic concept and and a straightforward system that will more or less support it, and yeah, that's fine. Uh, okay, second favourite of mine here, The Spider and the City. A solitaire game? No, not really. Uh, it can be. Uh, okay. Well, okay, yeah, they call, they call it that. It, it wouldn't be hard to have multiple players. You are a criminal mastermind. You are the leader of an underworld faction. Your hmm. city has just had a successful revolution. But the the army of the Empire is coming. So, basically, how are you going to sort things out? Uh, it is strongly implied that your faction is one of the participants in the revolution. But, you know, how, how are you going to keep things moving and try, try to survive the inevitable attack? It, it, it's a more journaling sort of game. Um, you know, here, here, here is a prompt, put a resource to it, um, build up your dice right. pools. I've I've mm-hmm. com- I've complained before uh, in other games about how you you do all these terribly cunning things and all it ends up being is a a plus one to your dice pool, and then you can still roll all the ones. 
But, you know, it, it's a really interesting idea and I would like to play with it a bit more. Okay. It's also a lot cheaper than Thousand Year Old Vampire. <laughs> okay. The Dueling Fops of Vandemar? Vindemar. Yeah. Windermere. Yeah, uh, this is a Greg Stolze game. Um, which, I mean, it feels to me a lot like other things I've read by Greg Stolze. There are things he cares about, and there are things he doesn't care about. Uh, you, you do have a direct um, conflict between, what, what is it, basically being a duelist and being a fop. And, it, and if your track gets to the end of one or the other, uh, then, then you leave the campaign for good or ill. Hmm. Uh, but basically, yeah, you, you have nothing to do except flirt, eat delicious volavant, and kill people. <laughs> the killing is compulsory, is it? Oh, well. well, well, the dueling. I mean, what's what's the point of dueling without uh... scars, my dear chap? Scars. In in any case, uh, oh yeah, yeah, duelist and aristocrat, and you also have the foppish versus serious track. And again, if you reach either end of that, oh. you 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 uh, become an NPC. It, it's I don't I'm not sure whether he actually calls it GMless, but it basically you could very easily run it GMless. You know, you, you're, you're generating challenges. And then mm. deciding what you do about them. So, yeah. That is that. Uh, Dot Dungeon. Okay. Have you ever seen the anime series Hack Sign? No, I have missed that uh, cultural experience. I, I rather like it. Um, but the, ba- the basic idea here is you, you are a character in um, a dungeon bashing video game. In in the uh, standard Japanese RPG mm. style, yeah, and that's fine. And you know, you you've got uh, unique powers based on theoretically things you do in the real world. Um, what it seems to me is missing here that was present in the series is the strong connection between inside and outside. Uh, you know, we we are going into this game because we want to learn a particular thing, and you know, that while I'm unconscious uh, playing this game, somebody might break into my flat and kill me. That's that kind of thing. And, I think, and that's that's just not here. Yeah, I think the thing that would interest me with this is if is if in some sense the 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 dungeon and the outside world are either the same or linked. And the things that you do in the dungeons start affecting the things that happen to you in the real world. Now that might be interesting, but I'm, I, uh, on, a, on a quick uh, flip through, I couldn't figure out uh, what the focus of this thing was. The 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 manual is is all in um, retro um, typeface, and um, mm. uh, uh, I'm getting old. All right, my sense the, of humor, the, there yeah, might be something to this, but I don't think either of us is likely to dig into it. And uh... no, well, well, I'll let you know if I if I accidentally do so. Uh, Over Arms is another anime-inspired game. Uh, I, I've seen one of the uh, Persona series, uh, which is about as close as I get to this. The basic idea is um, you develop a psychic manifestation of your own hidden powers, and then, uh, but. Generally speaking, at least in the stuff I've seen, they fight each other. Um, 
So it, it, it's it's a similar sort of above and below, um, but doesn't really say anything to me. Might say okay. something to, to to people who've played the games more. Uh, the well, it's a dungeon. <laughs> but, Except is yeah, but but it's an inverted dungeon. Uh, basically, um, the well, sort of. You that there is this pit, and you go down it and bash things, uh, or possibly up it. It's not clear. Up it, you head upward through a miles deep shaft to fight undead and loot uh, abandoned tunnels, and then when you go home, you you go back to being really deep underground again, and feel safe there, I presumably. Or do you never go home? I wonder. It's not not entirely clear, but yeah, I mean, the the idea is is an interesting one. You know, what what if what if the dungeon started from the bottom and that was where the city was? But I does it have any more than that? Yeah. To say. And finally, another one I might give a try to: uh, Wicked and Graceful. Uh, I I have run a GURPS game that was the Last Days of Atlantis, and this is the Last Days of Atlantis. It's marked as a prequel to Bright and Terrible, about which I know nothing. Nor do I. Uh, but, okay. but but I gather it's a game of wandering Atlantean exiles, so that's one way it could be a prequel, I guess. Ah, uh, oh, right. In the uh, old days. Yeah, all right. Okay, this is the old days that those exiles are yearning for. Right. Okay, so, well. you know, it's, you know, what you are one of the few people who is aware that there is a problem and you're trying to persuade other people to uh, help. Yeah, it's not not I... not that that feels contemporary or anything, um, but uh. yeah. So so you've got the, the the whole decadent society thing combined with yeah, we might actually get to do something about this, or at the very least try to escape. Yes, I th- I it's it's an idea I I thought about playing with playing with myself, and I should take a a, cl- a closer look look at at it. Um, I I think something like this would work best if. If you had an ethos of the players are going to decide what Atlantis was like and the precise details of the setting, I think that would work better than too much of the GM making the things up in advance and presenting them. That seems reasonable. Uh, I don't think... I mean, it, it, it's sufficiently lightweight, and the, all of these games are sufficiently lightweight, that it, it would be unreasonable, I think, to, to expect them to be a, a heavy, long-lasting sort of thing. Um, so absolutely getting getting player participation you know, there, there aren't any yeah. complicated rules that you would have to keep track of to, to make that work so yeah okay so let's see yeah the, the first the first half is the standard um ten dollars and the second half is at the as we record another ten dollars though that gradually goes up okay so uh that's lasting until uh the 5th of september so we are not giving you the our traditional last minute to briefing, but something you can actually do may actually have a chance to do something about. Well, it's funny last minute. I mean, nobody listens to us on release day. That would be unreasonable. Oh, somebody must. Somebody <laughs> somewhere. Anyway, on to the next thing. It is August, 
uh, when we're recording this. And this means um, that some brave pe persons have compiled a list of one question a day for August for RPGers to witter and water on about. And we, being lazy fellows, have chosen to dedicate about half of today's podcast to some hopefully rapid-fire answers to these. Um, the first question that is going to be asked is, who would you like to introduce to RPGs? Roger, who? Well, this is a problem because it isn't the 1980s anymore. It isn't even the 1990s anymore. And pretty much everybody I know already knows what RPGs are. I mean, they, they may decide to play them or they may not. But they don't need to be introduced because they already know. Yeah, hang on. They know, they think they know, but but human knowledge is frail. <laughs> uh, and and, and uh, but, but what we're looking for here are the people who've either never thought of doing it, or have uh, have thought of it and never done anything about it. So, do you have a target group? Um. All right, I'll just get self indulgent, and this is a theme I'm going to come back to. Um, I would like to get to the people who have only ever played one game, which is mostly, I suspect these days, D&D &D, always has been, and I yeah. would like to get them to play something completely different to just see this is not just that, there is this whole range of stuff that, that you can do with this hobby. That, that is a noble enterprise. Well, I'm going to be self-indulgent too, and re recall that some are, one of the funnest uh, sessions... Um, I had uh, was on tour with um, playing in Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead hmm. and introducing some of the cast including the two comedians who are playing Rosencrantz and Guildenstern uh, to GURPS and I would say I would like to introduce some comedians um, to the uh, to the hobby uh, I have of course famous comedians in mind Iceland B that's a beer, however you pronounce it, and Richard Ayud, however you spell it, like, um, I are are at the top of my list. Both both though, if Richard Ayud is um, isn't uh, already a role player, then he's betraying his geek persona, mm. and I think that's a natural persona and not an assumed one. At least I hope so. Hey. Number two, what is a great introductory RPG? This depends, for me, on whether it's going to be run by an experienced GM with new players, which I think is what's being implied by this set of questions, yeah. or whether it's something that somebody can you know, buy in a shop and run with their friends. I... Uh, for an experienced GM, there are a lot of good options. Um, GURPS, if, if the players don't have to generate their own characters. Uh, fudge, even if they do. Fudge is great. For oh. something people can learn on their own, I that's hard. It's been a long time. It's been a long time, hasn't it? Uh, I got to say, I, I would look at some of, some of the indie games that we'll, we've talked about in, in the bundle of holding segment, um, simply because there is not very much to them. They have to get straight to the point of this is what you do in this game, this is how it works, yeah, and it I, may not I, work very well, but you at least get the idea, and then you know, you, you you burn out on that after four or five sessions, and then do something else. I'm going to I'm going to disagree here because I think that indie games work best with a mind full of role playing tropes already, with an experienced GM. I would say, as an introductory game, then I would choose something out of the um, Powered by the Apocalypse stable. 
Um, mm. And one of the one of the more straightforward ones, like Dungeon World or Monster of the Week, would work because they're set in 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 tropes that they they may well all already know. And character generation is just going through the the pre-prepared character sheet and choosing options. Mm. It's it's freezer, but for a new GM, I would have to say buy one of the starter sets um, that that are, that that have become popular recently. D and D, I am told, has has good start, starter sets. I think I would also mention the RuneQuest starter set mm-hmm. um, because. I don't think that system's that complicated, and there are some sound adventures and a great setting included in it. I All think Cthulhu too, I believe. Yeah, I, I think we are disinclined to be interested in starter sets for ourselves because we don't need them at this point. But yes, um, so, something that you have the rules introduced in a reasonably coherent manner, a sample adventure, and suggestions of where you could go from here. That, that yeah. sort of thing. Okay. Uh, three. When were you first introduced to RPGs? 1st of January 1976. <laughs> I, I feel we've done this before, but uh, yeah, uh, 1981 at school for me. Okay. Where would you host a first game? I think these days, just for, for a sense of... For, common sense is like a public place that people are prepared to meet in um yeah which is come come over to this weirdo's house is is not so great okay people uh, we were not people are not so desperate for for gaming as we were uh, back in the uh, 70s and 80s uh i would say you know a a pub a coffee shop any anywhere that people are able to hang out for a bit without you know constantly consuming stuff whatever you you have locally in that regard Uh, atmosphere is great but atmosphere can happen later i would i do want it to be face to face and my selfish answer would be uh in my in my specially constructed um role-playing role-playing games room uh with all with all the comforts laid on but yeah if these are strangers, if these are new new people new to RPGs, I'm not sure about pubs and I'm not sure about cafes unless I can hire a, a separate room um, that uh, that can be ours uh, for for the evening. Honestly, well, it's nice, but yeah, I, I don't think it's essential. I've, I've done plenty of gaming in pubs um, without us new without us new trouble. But pick your pub, I guess. Yeah. Why would they enjoy this uh, this game? I think that's pretty much been summed up under number two. Why did we choose it in the first place? We chose it because we thought they would enjoy it. Well, I think I, I think that my answer would be because because it's me, and because I would splash out a bit in the uh, from the point of view of maps and uh, figures and uh, make the occasion special and exci- and ex- exciting. Um, I can't guarantee it would work, but for a new bunch of players, first impressions matter. Hmm. Six. How would you get more people playing RPGs? Well, obviously, <laughs> obviously, 
I once I've convinced Isling B and Richard Aoud and a lot of other British celebrities that I am the I'm going to be running the next critical role, then I would propagate that like nobody's business and um, and run it for a season. You know, I think that would do marvels for <laughs> the, the hobby. I was thinking on a slightly smaller scale of just. Um squashing gatekeeping whenever I see it, which to some extent I already do. You know, there are very few wrong ways to play role-playing games. There are lots of place, ways to play role-playing games that I personally don't enjoy. Yeah. But, yeah, there there are lots of things out there. You know, do, do not let anybody see one thing and be told this is the only way to do it and think, well, I didn't enjoy that very much and then go away again. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, it should top of every game should be this is my way of doing things you might enjoy it you might not um i i think i think if, is there a, a a single place you can go to most reliably to say i want to play one of these games will you will you do something for me do you have vacancies Actually, no th- this used to be the message board at the local games shop but there is no longer a message board and there is no longer a local games shop and, and sad, discord sad encourages true. fragmentation how about how about a website um, uh, for uh, GMs for first time players, uh, which actually now I come to think of it is is going to sound creepy as all hell and be subject <laughs> to abuse. So let's move on to the next question. Uh, system Sunday, describe a cool part of a system that you love, Roger. For me, I think Pendragon traits and passions. Hmm. The 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 core version, um, the the bit where you say, okay, um, here here is a situation where I don't have a strong feeling about how my character would behave. Tell me whether he's going to do the honourable thing or the dishonourable thing. Tell me with, whether he's going to do the chaste thing or the lustful thing. Mm. And you get you get a fairly straightforward, simple answer from the dice for that. Now it it does break when the numbers go, but when the um, numbers go outside the the one to nineteen range, and it gets very ugly at that point. But the core of it, I really like. Well, I think I think the thing I like about that is when you say, "I want to be, I want to be chased, but can I be?" Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's the, that's the more interesting use of that. I will mention the um, advancement mechanic, which I first saw in RuneQuest, um, and is in Call of Cthulhu and in uh, Pendragon and lots of other places nowadays, which is um, the, you use a skill. You get a chance to improve the skill, which diminishes the higher your skill is. Mm-hmm. I I came to RuneQuest from D and D, and one of the things I had hated about D and D was assigning character, was assigning experience points and divvying them up, and the players saying, "Ooh, ooh I just need t- twenty more points to to get to fifth level um, every time." And if I can say, to, if I can. Uh, Farm that out to a game mechanic, then it's it's fine. It's a great improvement for me. Oddly enough, I don't mind dispensing the smaller incremental points in GURPS, perhaps because it's 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 le- it's less um, it, it, it's less vital, and and you have a and if you have a standard um, payment of a couple of character points or three character points. 
you set a pace for the game to advance. Yeah, I mean, there are rules in a lot of games, including GURPS, suggesting that some players should get more points than others, depending on how much they contributed to the session. But that always strikes me as um, causing ructions. So mostly I say, if you were personally present at the session, you get the points. But I th- anyway. I, I, OK, well, we've talked about this before. OK, who introduced you to RPGs? Uh people at school uh this was the prep school i was at in uh, yeah. 81 i as far as i remember there was one boy with an american father who who spent his summer holidays over there and he had heard about it in the states yeah. but this was also about the time it was getting into department stores in the uk so you didn't have to go to uh, obscure mm-hmm. hobby shops but yeah that that was definitely where it started you don't remember the name of your first gm uh no all right, well, uh, mine was Dave Langford, he of the famous go- uh, science fiction gossip newsletter Ansible, and uh, lots of books, including the Encyclopedia of SF and the Encyclopedia of Fantasy. Um, he was a wonderful GM, and I, re- I, he, I regret that he never found the time to uh, write any RPGs of his own. He was even a bit scathing about some of the RPG inspired uh, fantasy. It, it does fall very readily into cliché. True, true, but, well, I but I would have liked to see what what, what he would have done in, in writing RPGs. Fair enough. He was good at run, running them. What is the second RPG you bought? It was either Traveller or On Guard, I think. Um, it might have been Superhero 2044, because I don't have a clear memory, but I think it was Traveller, all things considered. I started with uh, a D- well, D&D Basic, as it was then, and so I guess technically the second RPG I bought was Advanced D&D, but I didn't realise it was a separate game, because they didn't really label it. Mm. Um, I would much rather say, therefore, start a Traveller. Uh, that was the box set they brought out. Uh, which was which was just great. I mean, it it was the all right. It's basically the three black books plus book zero that tells you how to actually play the game, uh, with it with a couple of things stripped out that personally I never really missed. Uh, the the drugs which just get you into trouble and the self improvement which is incredibly slow. Um, and he he was a very different sort of game that was nevertheless very very enjoyable, very playable. When did you start Games Master? Almost at once, because in the groups I was in, and this was really true um, until the turn of the century, it was just assumed that everybody would want to run their own game some of the time. And some people were better at it than others, and so on. But most people did GM at least sometimes. So I GM'd. Uh, I think I I started as soon as I had my own copy of the Three Little Books, plus Blackmore, plus Greyhawk. And uh, and I could find the and I managed to find the High Wycombe War Games Club. Hey. I and honestly, um, I was an arrogant I was an arrogant young twit who thought he knew everything. I'd say that uh, so. No, no, none, uh, of the, none of the none of the none of no real role players like that. Yeah, well, I I plunged right in, and some of my early sessions must have been a little embarrassing, but I had fun. In fact, I can remember some of my embarrassments. I'm not going to go into that now. 
if you could live in a game setting, where would it be? And I would just say not counting ones you've written yourself. Okay, uh, the trouble is that all RPG settings, even all RPG settings, are designed to, to have some conflict in them, and high stakes and possibly deadly conflict um, is standard. I think if, I, if you could live in the core uh, sections where there isn't the trouble that, uh, uh, that's on the fringes, then I think so, uh, sufficiently advanced or sorcerously advanced, the uh, two games about really high-power civilizations might be fun. If, and everywhere else, it depends on who you are and where you are and what your social status is. Yeah, we've talked I, about that before. I think we have to assume you're a random person, don't we? Yeah, um, we're, we have to we have to go, go with that. And to be honest, even though if I were a high-level uh, magician or um, a powerful lord in in on, in Earth, then I might have fun. But uh, I hope I'd be living in Cardiel rather than. Uh, rather than the, the than the Megalosian Empire, if I was, and if I were lo- lonely, there is really nowhere on that continent in in Bainstorm that is entirely safe for the lowly. Uh, yeah, um, for myself, I, one of the less exciting bits of transhuman space, which yeah, as with any settings, has has its areas of conflict that you really don't want to be in. But it also has quite a lot of people who most of the time are just living reasonably good lives. Hmm. On Earth or in space? Um, probably on Earth. The, the, the things in space tend, tend to... Well, Irlandia maybe. They, they oh, tend, tend to be a bit more uh, exciting. Yeah. Okay. Uh, why did you start RPG? Well, I think this is the wrong question. Because the simple answer is, because it was being offered, and I am not averse to new experiences. The the interesting question for me is, why did I keep RPGing after the first time? You're right. That that is that is the that is the core question. And because I, I was, I, and the answer is because I was curious. Um, you know, all right. So so th- this is the thing we've got. Um, but right, we we we've been told we start by going down the stairs into the dungeon. What happens if I turn around and go back up? And then uh, just expanding that out into yeah, this could be a whole world rather than just the the limited um, environment of that early dungeon game. I think um, I, I obviously because somebody showed it to me and I and it, it and it was fun and. Uh, because it gives you opportunities not only for being creative in a writerly way, in a in a in a pulling something out of your backside and shaping it into um, a, a, a place, uh, a society, anything you, anything your your imagination can come up with, but also because it gives you the chance to play roles and to um, create people and inhabit them and that's mm. joy, uh, joyous for an actor and great fun yeah I, I am not in any sense an actor um but i, I enjoy it. i i think some of it is the interaction makes all of it more fun um yeah, it, it can be quite fun to play through a fantasy cliche if it's your decisions that are driving that cliche happening even if you wouldn't want to read about it yeah and that combined with 
well, we've talked about this in previous episodes that the most of the time complete lack of ability to edit. So what what happened is what happened, and you've got to go forward from there rather than going back yeah. and changing it. It is a really interesting constraint on narrative form. Yes. Um, one of the things that keeps me from completing my several writing projects is the fact that I always restart by going back to the beginning and saying, uh, well, what can I fiddle with here? And it, and the impetus is gone by the time I get to the next narrative point. There, there are some tricks for that, but yeah. Douglas Adams was famously able to have a negative productive word count per day when he really worked <laughs> at it. <laughs> uh, how would you change the way you started RPGing? I think that uh, one of the things I did write um, in my in my career was I was asked to run a game with my regular Wednesday night group, but for the niece of one of the players. I gave her um, a Rhesus adventure. Um, which uh, and Rhesus is another good starter RPG. Um, it's it's simple as anything and um, easy to pick up and understand. And at the end of it, I gave her the printout of the RP, uh, the printout of the of the RPG the adventure and of uh, of uh, the uh, game system and gave it to her and said, "Here, take this and do likewise." And I think if you could give each new player a new player's pack, which um, encourage, told them how, how the things they've just done worked and how to go on and do it themselves, then that would be a very good thing. And I would say to each publisher, do something like that. And um, don't mm. just publish GURPS Light, but also... Um, uh, yeah, but, but well, the, uh, Steve Jackson games have published games like, and give them the adventure that you you work through, and say this is how it works. This is how it goes on behind the scene. If you want to do it yourself, this is the way to do it. Yeah, I think for me it would be uh, given that this was basic D and D. I, w- I would like to tone down the wargaminess and tone up the individual characterization because that was the thing I locked onto once it happened. Mm. Um, but in effect, those those first games was was something close to a board game. Now, I enjoy board gaming, um, yeah. but that that is its own thing. And you know, in in a board game, you you might you might you know, say, okay, in in this dungeon bashing board game, I'm playing the dwarf, so I will make jokes about gold and ale and axes. Um, and it, there, there was one version of D and I read in which it suggested that this is role playing. That's that's what it, that's what it is. That's all it is. Uh, it didn't yeah. didn't quite say that's all it is, but it certainly didn't suggest there would be anything else. Um, for me, the the thing that I think has probably kept me going more than anything else over the years is that whole I am building a whole different person here, and then asking them what they would want to do in this situation, rather than just saying, "Well, yeah. what obviously whatever gets the most pluses." So I, I would like a game that encouraged that from the beginning. Yeah. Hmm. I think that's a matter of tone. You can make all the have all the wargaming things on the table and still move them to the back of everybody's attention. Hmm. And, and I think that that's one of the, the better ways to play, I think. On to 
Uh, ro hang on, We're, this says roll 1d8 plus 1 and tag that many friends and suggest a new RPG. No, we, 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 do, we do not do these tag things and arguably we don't have friends. So, uh, uh, do, do we have more than nine, nine listeners? That, that's going to have to count. I, I think the way I would phrase this is thinking in terms of a group you already know what, what is a new RPG to them that you would like to try with them? That's a good Good question. I've got a long list. <laughs> um, the uh, I'd like I'd like to try to run uh, Mongoose Traveller with my Wednesday night group. I'd like to try um, the new uh, Doctor Who uh, role playing game, which is in the second edition, which uh, I got for my my birthday uh, this month. I, I've, I played the, a... I've played the old edition quite a bit and enjoyed that certainly. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, only I think uh, we, I may have some resistance uh, of people who say, "Oh, I don't know, I don't, I don't watch Doctor Who," as if that were a quality. Oh, new, new Who is rubbish anyway. He said, he said in a blanket sort of way, but but it will do a perfectly good job of emulating old Who, which is much better. <laughs> no, all right, uh, turning the question on you. What what do you want to try on? People? I'm I'm wondering if I might take another stab at story games, and there is a specific reason for this. Uh, the Esoteric Order of Role Playing, um, which is David Larkin's group in somewhere in the southwestern US, uh, have recently been playing Monster Hearts. So this this is the Powered by the Apocalypse game of um, creepy supernatural teenagers doing, frankly, behaving like teenagers, only with supernatural powers. And I, I've listen, listened to the whole of this, in, including their post-mortem, and it was just great fun. And it's a very different style from what I think of as role-playing. It's much more you're, you're constantly in the editorial stance of okay, how, how, how should this character fail in an interesting way, because you do a lot of failing. <laughs> um, but, but I would be interested in giving, giving that a try with uh, players I know rather than yes, somebody I'm listening to. Fair enough. Okay. Uh, who would you like to game master for you? Uh, that all the game masters I know do game master for me, at least sometimes. Well, if we're go if we're going to go for star quality, I would like uh, either uh, Kenneth Height or Robin D. Laws, or uh, one then the other uh, to uh, to. I would like to be in a session with them. I'll get. Uh, the one time I got to play with Greg Stafford gave me um, a bit of insight into how he sees Pendragon working. I'm not sure I can do it the same way, though. <laughs> what would be your perfect game? Uh, uh, Something very modular for me. That's a good point. One, yes. of, one of the things I like about GURPS, and th this is more GURPS as played than GURPS as written, is that most of the time I can just say... Okay, roll your skill, see if you succeeded or failed. But if I want to drill down and say what is a plausible set of things that might happen in this situation where you know you're throwing a fireball against a titanium wall or whatever, I don't have to make that up out of my massive brain. I do have rules that say this is how much damage it does, this is how much armor the wall has, and so on. I don't have to use it. I don't. It, it's not like one of those systems where everything's interlocking and if you drop one bit then the whole thing breaks. But it's there if I want it. And that that is something that any system I use uh, 
will it will gain favour with me if it offers. I'm going to give. Uh, I'm going to give two answers. I think. One, I think I would like. I, I, I think Everway is in its way almost perfect. Um, it is a game for sparking um, the mythic and artistic bits of your brain and making, helping you create characters and settings which are evocative of magic and strangeness and beauty. Um, but I have another answer, which is I'd like something like uh, Greg Stolz's Rain. I'm not quite sure Rain is, is perfect, but I think it's good. I'd like to explore it more. But a, but a game in which you're operating on the level of individual characters and of societies and factions. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the Legacy, um, the Powered by the Apocalypse, after the Apocalypse game, long after the Apocalypse game, recovering from the Apocalypse game, also does this, but I'm not quite sure it it does it in a way that's obvious enough for my players. I d- didn't mean to just call my players stupid. I don't think I did. I didn't mean to say that. Well, one one problem I've had with Apocaly- Apocalypse Engine games is that you, you can say, I'm doing this or that or the other thing, and, and then it all funnels down into this, one of your stats goes up by one, or you get a bonus on a thing. Hmm. And I, I I would like to keep that complication to some extent, but anyway... Past, present, or future, when is your favourite game set? Not, none of those three other. <laughs> uh, my my, my uh, players, in, in both my groups, uh, I think that they bet money on whether I'm going to include uh, multi-universe elements in a particular campaign. Um, the last one I ran for the Monday night group was all shuttling between universes. Um, but I have a tendency to drop into alternate histories and what have you. I like the alternate history idea and I like the idea of societies that could have been but weren't. Mm. Maybe, I, maybe I like to give hu- humankind a second chance. Since my favourite game continues to be GURPS, the answer is all of the above, but I think my favourite setting tends to be a more or less historical 20th century, plus or minus a bit. Yeah, say say back to the eighteen eighties, eighteen seventies, up to the present day. Something where you understand the technology, but you can throw in curveballs. Well, in, in any of these things, uh, quite quite often, I, I will then go on to say, um, and there is magic or monsters or whatever. But one of the things I like to contrast is here, here are all these things that make make a human much more effective than a naked, unequipped human, whether yeah. that's you know, the internet or guns or whatever else, and how, how do they then cope with the magic, the monsters, etc. Where is your favourite place to play? So, un- unlike the where would you run an, where you run an introductory game, um, I tend to go with in someone's house, generally mine, round a table. Um, I think uh, I agree with that... Um... I, I, I do wish my house were a little bigger so that my table could be bigger and the number of people I can get in were, uh, were more. But I can get five people around my little table, which is good for a medium to small scale uh, game. Why has your favourite game stayed with you? Oh, 
Right, well, I have two favourite games. One is GURPS because of its flexibility. And <laughs> That's its... What, I, what's I, what I wrote down as well. And the other is RuneQuest because I, I like the combat style when it comes down to combat. I like the game system and I like the, the, most, the, the setting of Glorantha most of all. I, I like the, the system even when it's not uh, doing Glorantha. So, yeah, those two. Yeah, I, th- I think that when GURPS was written, it, it was in some degree directly addressing the problem of, right, well, we're changing campaigns now and I have to learn a whole new set of rules. A whole new sets of rules are less complicated now than they were in 1986. Yeah. But I've done enough GURPS that I have a pretty good idea of you know, a, a, a thing shows up, a character, a situation, a weird power, whatever else. I have a pretty good idea how I'm going to model that in a way that will then, as I was saying, let, let me lean on the rules when I want an answer to how plausible is this thing to happen. Mm. How, long do you, how long do your games last? I've got two answers to this. Uh, in, individual sessions. Um, I like three to four hours face-to-face, about two hours online. Um a longer session online, but I, I'm I'm trying to set a, remember to set a timer and call a break after two hours, simply because it's 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 more uh, work to be looking at the screen all the time yeah. than it is with, in a room with people. Um, as for campaigns, I tend to hit a wall after about ten to twelve sessions. Sometimes it carries on from there, and it can be great. But generally speaking, that that's where I start to feel I've really run out of ideas, and I, and I start looking for a way to change the campaign. Yeah, maybe change the setting. Uh, otherwise, uh, refresh my creative what's it? Well, God bless your creative what's it. My uh, my answer is much, is much the same. Three hours in face to face, two and a half in uh, in. Uh, in uh, on online, and I think it's the difficulty of it's not the screen starring my eyes. It's the difficulty of managing that much higgledy piggledy communication and keeping track of things that exhausts me as a GM. Well, fortunately, that... fortunately, my bladder provides me with an internal alarm uh, for, uh, for about when, when through the. Uh, Went through through the uh, session that I, that I need to give everybody a break. Well, most of the people I play with online uh, have are pretty good at voice discipline, and that helps a lot. Um, but yeah, there, there are all these unnaturalnesses. E- even though with Jitsi you can turn off the view of your own face, which is nice, you're still you know, not really making eye contact, and yet it looks as if you are, and things like that. And that that's all a bit hard work, for, particularly for somebody like me who doesn't really like socialising in the first place, but I'm reasonably competent at it face-to-face. I, uh, as to the second part, um, my last long campaign, uh, which was the uh, GURPS Lictus campaign, which I'm finishing the write-up of now, about a year ago, ran to about 15 sessions. Um, and I think that's that's pretty much... Uh, what I can manage nowadays. The best part of a year um, can be taken up with with one campaign, and um, I, and I have done longer in the past, and I have gone back to campaigns which stretch back decades. Hmm. Um, 
and and which I've often forgotten the the starting point of uh, by the time I return return to them. But uh, that so so are uh, seasons or or decades, depending on how you look at it. Okay, so twenty one. Share an intriguing detail from a game setting you enjoy. All right. Uh, Empire of the Petal Throne. Uh, um, leaving aside all the unpleasantness about the uh, the author's um, political views, he was good at bringing up um, details of his imagined background. And the Meshk plates are a... Plaques, rather are uh, a setting detail of the Empire of the Petal Throne, Sodianu itself. And many people, uh, most respectable people, will have a hook uh, by their front door and a series of plaques inside the door, which can be hung on the hook, square plaques, um, and painted on them a number of symbols, which may say, I'm at home, please come in, uh, if you are of suitable status. Uh, I'm not, I'm at home, and you disturbed me at your peril. Um, I'm at home, and I feel like going and doing something adventurous. Hmm. Uh, um, I am at home, and I'm feeling miserable. And it uh, the, it's, it's consi- would be considered um, uncivilized to put a misleading mesh plate outside your front door, which. I think I think is a, is a is a nice detail and one that's just there to puzzle the newly arrived uh, immigrants um, who are are new to civilized parts. For me, I I couldn't pin down a specific thing here. I when I'm looking at either settings or real history, and I do set set a lot of games in the real world with modifications, it's the little messy bits that don't tie up neatly, the, the little detail that doesn't necessarily add to the story, but is fun. Um, a classic example for me would would be the advertisements that went along with Kipling's With the Night Mail. Mm. Which, the, uh... the, the, you know, the, the, um, the, this is a world with airships, and they're, they're important enough that people are advertising things for airships. And that that sort of detail is just a thing I love. The uh, the, the um, graffiti, the little the, the column, little scratchings, which were means graffiti, was the personals column in uh, original edition over the edge, and was a fascinating way to drop things from that very weird setting upon the players. Hey. Who is your current character? I'm playing several characters. Shall we roll these next few together? Because I, th- I think they make sense as, as a sort of strand. So, okay. Uh, who is your current character? What situation is your character currently in? When did you start playing this character? Where has that character been? Why does your character do what they do? How has your character changed? That's a lot of detail. Mm. Okay. All right, give give us a who. Well, the character I've most recently actually played uh, is Mike Shaw, a disabled army veteran in Unknown Armies Third Edition. This is this is in one of the um, settings that comes with the Third Edition. Yeah. Uh, situation he's currently in: it's the end of the campaign. Um, I started playing him at the end of May last year. 
Uh, This setting is people who are working in a big box store somewhere in in a small town somewhere in the USA. Uh, And some of them are... This is Unknown Army, so some of them are clearly set up to be great, big, powerful magicians eventually, and some of them are not, and Bike is one of the ones who are not. Uh, his weirdness is... He he appears to have two histories. As far as the rest of the world is concerned, uh, he, he lost his leg in a traffic accident before he shipped out. But yeah. he remembers shipping out and going off in a mine hmm. as well. So... That that was all a bit weird, and he he was trying to find out what was going on, but he was also, because this is Unknown Armies, uh, realising that his first priority should be not getting eaten by, by other magicians, uh, and second priority, keep his buddies alive. So, uh, obviously I had a pretty minimal base for this. This is not a, not a um, set, setting or system that really tells you much about who your character is beyond the basics. So I'd, I tried to use the enlisted man mindset to build him as you know, something more than what the system gives me, which is a guy with shooting skill. Uh, so it, it was very much the gradual transition of the co-workers, brackets, fellow PCs, into, right, these are now my squad, and I've got to keep them alive because that's the thing I do. Falling into that pattern that was familiar to him, even if it wasn't particularly familiar to them, how he's changed? Well, uh, he got a lot more violent, and he tried to do it in a thoughtful way. Ah! You know, let, let's not shoot them now, because we have, you know, witnesses and ballistics and things. Let, let's, yeah, anyway. <laughs> so, uh, how, how about you? Who, who have you been playing recently? I have been playing, as well you know, Sarge, who is, is I, I have this tendency... Doc Sarge, or possibly Doc, Sarge, Sarge Doc. Sergeant, Dr. Sergeant. Um, he is um, a forensic anthropologist by training, but having been exposed to the weird stuff that's out there in your uh, action monster hunters ripping off Limnal uh, GURPS game, um, has uh, has been retrained as a, a, a police sergeant, a detective sergeant in the uh, squad that deals with the weirdness. Yeah, I wasn't originally planning it, planning for it to be a GURPS action game, but it seems to have worked quite well. Um, what current is, situation is he currently in? It's between games, so what he's doing is what he always does, which is worrying about his squad. Hey. Um, and uh, and not, not so much the dangers they're in as what they're going to do next, I suspect. Yeah, and uh, how, uh, how how can he explain to Brian um, that that uh, if he hadn't kind of followed him into that dangerous situation, we wouldn't have there wouldn't have been a surviving. Um, a werewolf for us to interview. <laughs> um, when did I start playing this character? Several months ago, it must have been. Um, is this? Do you know which session number this is, Roger? Uh, four or five. My um, see, my version log starts at the thirty-first of July, but I think that was the second session, so sort of yeah. May, May okay. June this year. Okay. Um, Where's the character been? Most recently chasing werewolves and shooting down vampires in Yorkshire. Uh, why does the character do what they do? A sense of guilt. He has a massive sense of guilt for what happened when he first encountered the, the strange stuff and the people who died when he survived. How has he changed? Uh, 
he, I don't think he has yet. I think he's grown more respectful of his teammates, and a little bit, <laughs> a little bit, but and is is doing his best to ensure they all have something to do. Because if he gives them something to do, they won't go out and find something. Hey. All right, 28. Oh, this is another tag one, but we're talking about your favourite RPG cover art. Now, you you were talking about a cover for Rollmaster Companion, which I think... uh, You can look this up on the the web. uh, I'll I'll stick stick links in the show notes as well. Okay, but uh, you describe it and tell, tell me why you like it. Uh, so it, it, it's quite washed out, uh, sort of purpley blue palette, quite quite bright, and we have a magician and a woman with a sword fighting on the top of a tower, which is just barely big enough to hold them. Mm. Um, and there there are various people cl- trying to climb the tower and and help with the fight, but it, they don't seem to be taking much of a job of it. I think the. The thing I like about this is that there is obviously a story to it more than, oh, well, we just happened to meet here and we're fighting now. And it, it, for a start, it's not at all obvious who the pe- player characters are in this. Uh, I mean, you could probably assume it's the woman, but it could just as easily be the old bloke with the staff. Uh, the woman or indeed is, neither of them. The woman is in a dress which I think in Gertz you would need a perk to be able to wear whilst on adventures. Mm, yeah. Uh, GURP Steampunk 2 has extensive rules on clothing. Everybody should buy this book. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just that feel. This is an Angus McBride illustration. Um, probably given the financial situation of Iron Crown at the time, it was originally done for somebody else and they, they bought it, but I haven't seen it elsewhere. And I, I just like the, the slightly unusual angle, the slightly unusual colour palette. It's... It's a, This is something more than, oh, right, we're going down a dungeon and we're going to bash monsters. We're going up a tower and we're going to, and we're going to threaten a wizard who can cast whatever the hell that is that's coming out of his staff. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it has a certain amount of style, I will grant you that. And a, and a city laid out below. Is that a city below? or no, That's rocky countryside, isn't it? And, a mountain valley, I think. And more castle. My choice is the cover of Hero Quest Glorantha. Um, there is a lot of good stuff for um, uh, for Glorantha out there. The, the covers are are quite spectacular right from the start, and uh, this this is just the best of the recent bunch. Uh, it shows it's mostly dark blue with. Um, a door, a double, uh, one half of a double door opening into glowing yellow light, and a woman with an axe and glowing eyes coming out of uh, the door. Behind her is a statue of a goddess. Um, the the door is carved with mythical figures. In front of the door um, are a group of what can only be described as ragtag adventurers. <laughs> one of whom is either wearing a, a hawk head mask or has a hawk's head. The others we we, tend we to, don't discriminate. We don't discriminate. Uh, the others are tending towards uh, hats with horns in them and lots of swords. I believe there is. it was designed to fit in a, a specific moment in a hero quest, um, an actual adventure in the other world of Glorantha. Um, but I have long since forgotten what it was. And it just 
evokes the feeling of mystery and powerful magic which you don't really understand which is one of the best bits of um, of of the setting of Glorantha and this particular game system for it a thing i find very odd is that quite a lot of those figures outside are not looking at the woman with the axe coming out of the let's say temple they're looking at each other yeah, and that, I, I feel there should be a reason for that, and probably there was a reason for that in the in the original brief. Yeah, the uh, the the what the one of them is turning and looking towards the viewer as if he's been surprised by something. Yeah, I and, and se- several more of them are are looking at each other rather than looking at well, what what might reasonably call the threat. Uh, now, does that mean uh, they think she's not a threat? You know, were they expecting this? Uh, there, there's a story to it, and I would like to know what the story is. Yeah, I would also like to mention, um, if I can, uh, an honourable mention to the uh, RuneQuest starter set cover, which is part of the tradition of... um, It it echoes back to the original RuneQuest 2 cover sequence of a woman warrior facing a listed man, but this is more specifically Gloranthan. It shows... uh, the hideous chaos thing uh, called a crashed kid lashing its tongue out at a woman warrior who is uh, who has lightning dancing along her right arm and her group of friends are helping her in her attempts to finish it off and that that's a lovely piece of piece of work and ought to encourage anybody to give this strange world a try and yeah compared with previous versions it's a bit less cheesecake which is always nice yeah, well, um, we're, I'm old-fashioned enough. Okay, so we're coming coming to the end of this. Who would you like to see take part in RPG a day? Gotta say, I'm barely familiar with people who are already taking part in RPG a day. This seems to be a microblogging Twitter sort of thing, which is not really a thing I do. So, yeah, um, I think some of the great and exalted out there ought to do it. Um, but it's really a th- more of a thing for um, people at the uh, at the dice face, uh, people who are actually running games and actually exploring uh, games rather than the knowledgeable, great, and exalted. I uh, I, I hesitate to say Robin D. Laws because he would go huff in a Canadian way. Um, uh, Greg Stolze might do it, might might do it. Um, and uh, well, actually, I'll tell you what. Let's uh, let's ask the Ludo Narrative Dissidents uh, to to do it on one of their podcasts and send send them a link to point point out this request. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I because I tend to think in terms of analysing data. I, I would like to see some sort of collation. Okay, well, we'll come back. We'll come on to this, but it, it would be nice to get a, a nice big sample base. Hmm. Um, what what is the majority of current players' favourite game favourite game setting or first role playing experience or whatever else? Is, can you can you pick anything out of that? What should RPG a Day do for its tenth anniversary next year? Uh, this is the other half of what I was just saying because it's yeah get the data together and analyse them, even if it were just a, a link a link to everybody who's participated. That would be nice. I mean, that would be tricky because there's this whole each question for most people is an individual post somewhere, but it would be nice. Uh, 
maybe ask people to contribute questions, uh, people who have, mm. known, who have been known, known to do it, uh, gather the data and say, what do you want to talk about? And the last one I think we can do together. When did you first take part in RPG Day? And the answer is episode 21 uh, Gosh. in 2014, which I Gosh. think was probably the very first one. Yeah, um, I, I, can't, I can't swear to that. But yes, that would, that would be the day. You came up with it. It's not the sort of thing I would, I would be I? able to... I wonder how I found out about it. Hmm. <laughs> it's an insidious meme. Somebody probably sent you a, a link or something. Or it could have been on, uh, or it could have been me uh, browsing on RPG Net. Who knows? That has been improvised radio theatre with dice for another month, and we did have other stuff. Uh, we were going to do for you, but RPG a day, as it has a tendency to um, rather took over. If you have multiple ideas about things and questions that you think RPG a day should do next year, well, you could chat about them to us by... Uh, leave a message on the website or email podcast at dekelly.ly. We do have a forum and it would be nice to get something going there. Yeah, I think that would be... Uh... There's been a lot of topics here that you can discuss. Please discuss. Discuss. I will see you next month. Mm-hmm.